Okay, so it's three thirty one. I got you. I got you. All right, we're on we're good now. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Amen. Good to be hey, good to be saved and be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm glad I'm saved this morning. I'm so excited about it. Amen. I get to go to heaven when I die. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Lord's with me every step I take. Amen. Got the word of God to guide me. What more do I need? Amen. Praise God. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's sing this morning. Let's praise the Lord. Let's stand together and let's turn to number 204 in the All-American Hymnal. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Who yielded his life and atonement for sin. And open the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he hath done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood. To every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon received. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he hath done. Great things he hath taught us. Great things he hath done. And great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come. To the Father through Jesus the Son And give him the glory Great things he hath done Amen Well he did something great for me I can tell you that Amen And I'm so thankful that he did Amen And he's still doing great things for me Amen And I praise God for my Savior this morning Amen It's good to be in the house of the Lord Amen. This 2020 we're living in. Amen. Y'all all see better now? It's 2020. We all going to see clearer this year. Amen. But anyway, I, I'm looking forward to whatever God brings us. 
Amen. We'll be prepared. We've got God's word. we got the truth. got Christ living in us. We're ready for whatever he brings our way. Amen. Any prayer requests this morning that we need to make mention of? Prayer request. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Did you by any chance try to get a hold of Morgan? I, I, I texted her uh, yesterday and the day before. And she's supposed to be here? Okay. All right. Yeah, that's true. I never know. It might be her. <clears throat> but anyway, praise God. We're glad you're here nonetheless. Amen. And uh, any other prayer requests? Anything else we need to mention before we take up this morning's offering? Yes, Miss Charlotte. Unspoken. Unspoken request. I'll pray for my wife. She's not feeling too well, but she's here. And we're thankful that she's here this morning. Pray for my pray for my daughter Megan. She had oral surgery done this week. The reason she's not here with us, and uh, she got a mouthful of stitches, and she's on hydrocodone. Y'all just she just fall over and sleep in the pew if she's here. So, y'all pray for her. Um, any, anybody, anything else? All right. Well, let's, we're gonna go to the Lord in prayer. We're gonna ask God to bless the offering. We're gonna ask God to bless the service, and uh, let's pray. Brother, Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. 
If heaven's not my home, and Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I have a loving Savior up in glory land. I don't expect to stop until I shake her hand. She's waiting now for me in heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Amen. That that third verse throws me. Amen. That that, that shaking mother's hand business. I like I said Wednesday. Now we sang it the other night. I thought we did, and I was like, boy, that I, don't, I wasn't aiming to sing that one so quick again. Amen. But praise God. I'm glad. I'm glad this world's not my home. Turn to 331. And we're going to sing, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Amen. We'll stand up on the inside today. Amen. Stop, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory. His army shall he lead Till every foe is vanquished And Christ is Lord indeed Stand up, stand up for Jesus The trumpet call obey For to the mighty conflict In this his glorious day he that are meant now serve him against unnumbered foe. Your courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor and watching unto prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. Amen. We're going to have to learn to stand up for Jesus. Amen. If we're not doing it now. I tell you, there's all that war on Christianity going on in America right now. The, the news media is fueling it, uh, and there's a lot of people in Congress that are behind it. 
And I'm telling you right now, we, we, our faith is going to be tested. You can be sure of that in this country. Our faith is going to be tested. And I, I hope and pray you're strong enough to pass the test, amen, when the test comes. Because believe me, if you've got a faith worth having, it's worth being tested and proved. Amen. amen. So be sure you got your mindset that you're going to stand for the Lord when that time comes. Amen. Turn to 360, and, there, and there's a song of comfort. Amen. Because we're going to be leaning on the everlasting arms the whole way. Praise God. What a fellowship, what a joy divine leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine leaning on the everlasting arm. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarm. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arm. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arm. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarm, leaning, leaning. Leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning. Safe and secure from all alarm, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arm. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I've been wanting to sing this song since I got here. Um, from the day day one that I started my ministry back in 1999, I've been singing this song every Sunday morning until we came over here, and that's fine. That's not not a problem. But I I'm just thankful for this song because God used it early in my ministry to give me a just give me a boost, and I, like I said, I've been singing it ever since. I wandered out in sin, had no peace, no joy within, and my soul was burdened down with pride. But the Savior came along and he showed me I was wrong, and he placed me on the winning side. Well, I Yes, I'm on the winning side 
no more out in sin will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. From the straight and narrow way, I was drifting every day. Out upon the waters deep and wide. But it all is over now. Glory light shines on my brow. Now my soul is on the winning side. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. No more out in sin will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. I will never have to fear for my Lord, he's ever near. And in him so often I confide. Well, he's the keeper of my soul since I gave to him control. And he placed me on the winning side. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. No more out in sin will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. Amen. <coughs> Glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm thankful I'm saved, y'all. Amen. Praise God. I said, if you can't get excited about your own salvation, try getting excited about mine, okay? Because I'm not, I'm not shy about it at all. Amen. God give me something I just can't get over. Amen. I don't want to get over it. Amen. Well, praise God. Take your Bible this morning. We're going to turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. I'll actually give you two places to turn. Matthew 22, and I want you to take your finger and, and, and find Psalm 110 and hold that too, please, because we're going to be there as well. We're actually going to be two or three places, but those are the first two. So I'll, I'll give you that much warning. And uh, glad to have visitors here this morning. Glad, folks, I hadn't seen anyway. Uh, I don't know who's a visitor and who's not. I hadn't been here long enough to tell you. But anyway, I'm thankful for all of you that are here this morning. And if it's your first time hearing me, I'm country. I can't help myself. That's the way I am, the way God made me. Amen. And, uh, and, I, and I don't apologize for it, praise God. But we're, gonna, we're, we're in a study. We're in a study of the life of Jesus Christ. It's called Getting to Know Jesus. I, I, I have come to the realization that a lot of people, they have a head knowledge of Jesus, but they don't really know him personally like they ought to. Or they have an idea of who Jesus is. Some people, I say, you know, they have this, they, they, I, I swear, I, some people 
they have this idea, this plastic dashboard Jesus, you know, like a little hula girl, and whatever they want to do, Jesus just says, okay, but that's not Jesus, amen? That, that That's some people's idea of who he is. God's okay with everything. God's just love, 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 and he loves me, and he, he's a, he knows me. He knows my heart. It's all good. Uh, well, you need to get to know him. When you get to know him, you get to realize him who he is. And when you when you start following his character, uh, it changes you. It's kind of like what Grant was saying in Sunday school about about uh, Isaac and Esau's relationship. Because Isaac had a had a phileo love for his son. It wasn't agape. It was phileo. It was it was of this world, and it was of his soul, like he was talking about. Uh, he loved the fact that Esau go out and. And, and take down a big old buck and come on back home and make him some chicken fried deer steak and, and whatever he was making him, some chili meat, whatever. But he loved that, and and we need to get to know Jesus on a deeper level than we do. It shouldn't be just this. I, I, I really don't know how I'm trying to say what I'm trying to say, but I just want to say to you, if you don't get beyond if you don't get beyond just a superficial knowledge of Jesus, if you don't say in your in your soul, I want to know him in his fullness, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on so much. You're not going to know how to walk as a believer if you don't get to know the character and the nature of Jesus. Amen? You, you need to know him in his fullness. And that's what we've been looking at. We started way back yonder when uh, Elizabeth... Uh, and, and Mary got together, and and, the, and John the Baptist leaped in Elizabeth's womb because uh, Mary said that she was pregnant, and he that babe knew this is the Christ, Amen. So uh, anyway, this is part 152 of that series, and and we are we are now we are now mere days from the Calvary, and uh, Jesus is in the temple; he has been tested. He has been tried, as I said last week, just like they would take the Passover lamb. They would shut it up, and they would check it time and time and time again for spots. They checked it for any blemish. Uh, even though these Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, even though they didn't realize what they were doing, they were inspecting the lamb for spots. They were proving, even though, like you said, the, the, even though they did, weren't doing specifically God's will with the mindset of we're going to please God, what they were doing still worked out God's will. They were inspecting the lamb, amen, for spot and stain. They couldn't find any, amen? That's why they turned around and didn't ask him any more questions because they couldn't. There was nothing to find, amen? So we're going to look this morning. We're going to look this morning. Jesus is going to turn it around and go on the offense. He's been on the defense up to this point, but he's fixing to turn around and throw, and, and throw some offense at them this morning. So Matthew 22 41 through 46. Matthew 22, 41 through 46, and, uh, and let's read. The Bible says, Matthew chapter 22, verse, 40, uh, verse 41 through 46, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, the son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. 
If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I come before you this morning, and I need you. I, 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 my soul cries out to you this morning. Fill me with your power. Give me unction from on high. Holy Ghost of God, take this vessel. Fill me up and pour me out for the glory of God. Lord, my desire, my heart's desire is to magnify Christ. My heart's desire is to preach the word, Lord, and communicate the truth, Lord, in a way that it can be easily understand, understood, Father. And I pray that the Holy Ghost of God guide every word and every thought in my mind and my heart. Lord, I pray it comes out of my lips pleasing unto you. Father, if there's anything in my life that would hinder this message from going forth in power, forgive me and cleanse me of it now. Lord, I pray for your touch. I pray for your power. I need you, Jesus, please. And we all need you this morning. Lord, we come hungry. We come needy. Lord, we, we've been out in this world, and it's beat us up. It's knocked us around, scrubbed us in the dirt. Lord, we need you. Dust us off. Clean us up. Put our feet in the right direction. Fill us with your power and send us forth. Lord, we love you, and we give you all the glory for all that you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, it is good to be in God's house. Amen. And I'm excited. The closer we get to Calvary, the more excited I get. I, I, I'm, I'm so looking forward to when we, we get there and looking at all of the, of the, just all the little tiny intricate things surrounding the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. But right now, right now let's focus this morning. Again, they, they had tried him, they tested him, they'd done everything they knew to do. They thought they had him in some hard questions, and he just turned him around and made them all look like fools. And, and, and so now, as they're turned away from him, he says, well, wait a minute. Because the Bible says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, so I want you to picture him. He's in the temple. They've all, they've, one by one, one group's come up and talked to him, and they've went away in shame. And another group's come up to him, and they've went away in shame. And then and another group, and then, and then finally, one Pharisee comes to him with a question about the commandments, which is greater. And, and, and Jesus tells him, you know, it's love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and he said in the second one, they didn't ask him what the second was, but he said, hey, the second one, I'll give you one for free. It's love thy neighbor as thyself. And as soon as this man went away, all these Pharisees got together in a little huddle, and they're over there discussing how they're going to get him. And so Jesus just says to him, he says, What think you of the Christ? Whose son is he? Jesus was meddling. I like it. <laughs> he was meddling. Amen. And they say unto him, The son of David. You know why? They knew what the Scripture said. These men were Pharisees. Listen, if, 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 they were, if they were here today and they came in this morning, y'all probably just welcome them in and be glad they were here because they, they're, they're conservative. They were the moral religious right of their day. And we would probably welcome them in with open arms, shake their hand, and I'd give them a good seat and, and say, well, praise God. We're so glad you're here this morning. Listen, and, and, we, and unless we, they opened their mouth, we probably wouldn't know there was anything wrong with their attitude or their, their thought process. <clears throat> but they knew the Bible. They knew it. They knew it very well. They knew the Old Testament. I mean, down to the letter. So he, when he asked them, "What think you of the Christ? Whose son is he?" They, they in their mind went back to the Scripture, and they, they said, "Well, you know, the Scripture says he's the son of David." And he saith unto them, 
how then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. And that's a direct quote from Psalm 110. We're going to turn there in just a second. He said, If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? And Now, to them, that was a conundrum. To you and me, I think we can understand this. Okay, and I'll answer it. I'll answer it very plainly before we get done. But <clears throat> the Bible says no man was able to answer him a word, and nobody asked him any more questions after that either. So let's look. I want us to turn this morning to Psalm 110, and we'll look at verses. Well, all all seven verses this morning. Psalm 110, and I'll ask you to be patient with me this morning. We got some ground to cover. We'll try not to make it too long, but we're gonna we're gonna do our best to do due diligence to cover this. So Psalm 110, beginning with verse one, again, Jesus was quoting. The Bible says, "The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies." The people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the day of in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads. Over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way, therefore shall he lift up the head. Now, this is a prophecy concerning Christ, without a doubt. All right? The Lord said unto my Lord, the Lord God said unto my Lord, my Savior, Christ Jesus, sit thou at my right hand. We know where Christ is seated, don't we? He's seated. The Bible said, the Bible said he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So obviously, this is talking about Christ. And he says, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. That has not happened yet. Amen. There's a plenty of enemies, though, aren't there? Praise God, they're everywhere. There's a God-hater on every corner, it seems. Amen. But they're everywhere. And they're going to be, he's going to put them all under his feet. Amen. He's going to be in, in he's going he's to be in domination. They're going to be in submission. It's going to happen. Amen. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time until the Lord says, Go get your church, son. Go get your church. Amen. And then everything's going to go into motion. Amen. So he says, The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Well, Christ came through Zion. Amen. He came, he came out of Jerusalem. Amen. And guess what? When he comes back the second time, he's going to plant his foot down on, 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 the, on Mount Zion. Amen. Listen, he's going to rule and reign on the throne of David. Amen? And, and that's where the rod of his power is going to go forth from. All right? Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power and the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. There won't be any opposition to his rule. Oh, no, the world's going to come and gather around his throne. The Lord hath sworn and, I will, not, and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. Oh, he's coming back, and the sword's coming out of his mouth. We talked about that the other night. That sword's going to smite the, the enemies of God in that valley, and the blood will be up to the bridles of the horses. Amen. He's going to, he's going to take vengeance on his enemies. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. There ain't nobody going to stand up to Jesus. He shall drink of the brook in the way, therefore shall he lift up the head. Amen. Listen, there won't be any more suffering once he's on the throne. He's going to make everything right. Amen. But I want us to focus this morning on verse 4. Amen. On verse 4, the Bible says, The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And I realized that after about four or five hours of study, Grant probably done drained all the... <laughs> He probably drained everything out of this, this passage because it's in Hebrews 7. But it, praise God, there's always more to uncover. There's always more to look at, praise God. But I, re, I thought about that, and I said, oh, no. He's, he's probably done preached all this before. But, but praise God, listen, that, that, that thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. If you don't know what that means, and I dare say some of you in here doesn't, doesn't understand that, we need to realize something. Listen, there, Aaron was the priest. Amen. But his, this Jesus is not a priest after the order of Aaron. He's not a priest after the order of, of, of the Levites. Jesus Christ, listen, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus Christ is a he is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Well, let's see what the, who was Melchizedek. I know some of you know more about it than others, but let's just look at it this morning. Again, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. First thing I want to say is there's only three books of the Bible that mention Melchizedek, and that's Genesis, Psalms, and Hebrews. The Genesis account, it introduces us to Melchizedek uh, near the beginning of Abraham's story. Melchizedek is introduced as a king during the time of Abraham. The Old Testament is silent about him until the book of Psalms, which alludes to him when describing a royal priesthood. This is probably a good sign that the figure of Melchizedek had retained some religious significance to Abraham's descendants. Much later in the book of Hebrews, Melchizedek is shown as a case study for Jesus' priesthood. Now, we're going to look primarily in, in we're, going, we're going to look at all three places, but, uh, but I, we're going to look primarily in Hebrews this morning here in just a minute. The second thing I want to say on this is, is that the New Testament says more about Melchizedek than the Old Testament does. Melchizedek's mentioned in the Old Testament, and and you might, I mean, since he's there first, you might expect you'd hear more about him there, but it's, that's not the case. Um, compared to the New Testament, the Old Testament doesn't say a whole lot about him. His role in the Bible takes takes place in the span of just a few verses in Genesis, but the author of Hebrews unpacks all of it, and we're going again, we're going to look at that. But just to give you some perspective. His name is mentioned 10 times in the Bible. One time in Genesis, in chapter 14, verse 8. Once in Psalms, we just read it, 110, verse 4. And the rest are all in Hebrews. Okay? Number three on this, the thing I see on this, is that he was a, he was a contemporary of Abraham. He lived, he lived during the time of Abraham. And after, Abraham, after God called Abraham out of the earth of the Chaldeans, uh, before his name was changed to Abraham, back when he was still Abram, he found himself in an interesting situation. 
his wealthy nephew Lot had been kidnapped. There was a uh, there was a king by the name of Cheeto Laomer, which is what a name. I'd hate to think somebody named me that, but anyway, uh, Cheeto Laomer, and uh, and he was a king, and he'd been controlling the city states in this region. And uh, and he what he did is he decided he went off he went off to uh, have him a slaycation. He went to conquer other places. He went off and left and left this region. Uh, and and while he was gone, there were lesser kings who controlled little areas within there. And uh, these lesser kings they they rebelled while he was gone. And uh, and one of them was the king who ruled over the town that Abraham's nephew Lot lived in. And what happened was when Cheeto Laomer came back, he was pretty upset that all these kings had been rebelling. And, and uh, well, he drives these kings into hiding. And then he takes the spoils. And he took the spoils from the city that Lot was in. So guess what that made Lot? He made Lot his Cheeto Laomer's prisoner. And everything that he owned became Cheeto Laomer's property. Well, that upset Abram pretty bad. So what he did, he decided, well, I, I'm going to take 318 of my trained warriors, and I'm going down there, and I'm going to whoop Cheeto Laomer. And that's exactly what happened. And once Cheeto Laomer was beaten, Abram comes back. He comes, lots freed, and he takes all that spoil himself, and he's coming back with it. And on his way back, Melchizedek meets him. I don't know how you say it. I, that's the way I know to say it. Maybe that's the wrong way to pronounce it, but I didn't grow up with him, so I really don't know how. But uh, anyway, Melchizedek, he meets Abram, and he blesses him. You find that in Genesis 14, if you want to turn there, verse 17 through 20. And the Bible says, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter. That king of, uh, king of Sodom... Uh, the Bible says, the king of, I'm sorry, the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Cheeto Laomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. That's important that you understand that. He was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him, or he blessed Abram, and he said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave him tithes of all. I don't read anywhere in the Bible where a tithe was asked of anybody at that point. But Abram gave tithes unto Melchizedek. But here's where it gets really interesting. Some other things about Melchizedek. Not that I mean that's not un, I mean it's kind of unusual that that Abram gave tithes to him, but it gets a little stranger. Melchizedek doesn't have any family, and it's not just that he doesn't have any family. There's no recorded family. Now. If y'all know much about the Old Testament, there's a whole lot of so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so was the son of so-and-so. I mean, there's chapter after chapter after chapter. I mean, 
I remember hearing one preacher one time, he said, you know, he said, I was trying to read through my Bible, and I was just going through so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so. He said, and finally I asked God, said, God, why in the world you got all this in the Bible? He said, and God spoke to my heart and said, because I want you to know who's everybody, who everybody, I know who everybody's daddy is. And that's good enough for me. Amen. God, but you know what? He didn't record anything about Melchizedek. There's nothing in there. And, 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 and by the way, the author of Hebrews makes a pretty good deal about this. And he, you know, he says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3, that he is without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now, that's, some, that's a strange description of a man. And I'm not here this morning to try to tell you that, that I believe that Melchizedek was this or he was that. I don't know. I can't say. There's not enough given to us in Scripture for me to be able to tell you exactly who he was or where he came from or what happened to him. I don't know, but I know this. He's mentioned way over there in the Old Testament, and then he's mentioned over in Hebrews, so we better pay attention to what's said about him. God put Melchizedek mentioned in the middle of a powerful prophecy concerning Jesus Christ, so we better pay attention to it. I mean, there's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas about Melchizedek. Was he just a righteous man? Was he Jesus Christ in the flesh before he came in the flesh? There's a lot of people that had a lot of questions. Was he an angel? I don't know. That's not the point. The point here is that he's unusual and he points to the Savior. He is a picture of Christ. The Bible says that. He said he is made like unto the Son of God. Amen? So he is, he is a picture or a, or a representation of Christ in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament Scriptures. I'll tell you something else about him. He was a priest of Almighty God. And that's what it says there in chapter 14 of Genesis, verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. He was a go-between. That's what a priest does. A priest bridges the gap between God and man. And so Melchizedek, we see, that was his, that was his job. He was, a, he was there to bridge the gap between God and man. And so is Christ. Amen? So is Christ. You say, why are you bringing this up? Because here's why I want you to understand this is so important. When those Pharisees were standing there, and Jesus begins quoting Psalm 110, they knew every word of it. They knew every word. And so what he was telling them is, guess who I am? You know what? They could see it. I believe with all my heart they could see it, but they didn't want it. Melchizedek was the priest of Almighty God. Number six on this, Melchizedek was a giver of blessings. Genesis 14, 19 through 20, the Bible says, And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. 
Again, he's a picture of Christ. Christ is, is my blessing giver, amen? Christ is the one who's given me blessings all my life since I've trusted him as my Savior, amen? And you know what? He's going to take care of me all the way, praise God. So in, the, in that, he's a picture of Christ, amen? <clears throat> Number seven, Melchizedek's the king of Salem. You say Salem. Well, I talked about this other night. Salem is just another term for Jerusalem. Salem was a city-state in the land of Canaan. The, the name, the word Salem is interesting because it means full, complete, safe, whole, or peaceful. Now, the author of Hebrews calls attention to this fact that he was the king of Salem when he's likening Melchizedek to Jesus because Melchizedek, again, you remember what I said? It means Salem means peaceful. So that made Melchizedek the king of peace. The king of peace. What's one of the names we know Jesus by? He's the prince of peace. I don't think this is a, uh, just, just a coincidence of sorts. I believe that God is trying to show us some things here. I believe God is trying, God has, has placed that in the Bible in order for, for those, those lost Pharisees to have no excuse whatsoever. Jesus is turning it around and saying, look, who do you think I am? What think ye of the Christ? Who is he? Here's a hint. And the light went on. <clears throat> Not only does his name mean the king of peace, but his name has another meaning too. His name literally, Melchizedek, I can't tell you the two words that it comes from because I don't speak Hebrew fluently, but I can tell you this, it means two things. Malak means king. The word, the half of his of his name, Malak, or however you say that, it means king or ruler. And the other part, I think it was pronounced Sadak, it means righteous, just, or innocent. He's a king of righteousness. That's a pretty lofty name to give just a man. I don't know. Again, I don't know. I can't tell you who Melchizedek was, but that's a pretty lofty name to give just a man. The king of peace, the king of righteousness, no father, no mother. Nobody knows where he came from. Nobody knows what happened to him. He's a giver of blessings. He's a priest of almighty God. Christ is after the order of Melchizedek. <clears throat> Number nine, the order of Melchizedek is royal and everlasting. The 110th Psalm, again, it's a messianic prophecy. And it tells us two things that God promised to do for Jesus. It promised to make Jesus a king in Zion and to make Jesus a priest. Psalm 110, verse 4, again, The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And lastly on this one, Melchizedek was greater than Abraham and Aaron. But you see, Christ is greater than all. Right. Hebrews seven nineteen through 28, For the law made nothing perfect, 
but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath he was made priest, for those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to, con to continue by reason of death. See, out the order of Aaron, see, everybody died. You couldn't be a priest forever. You're going to live your lifespan and that's it. You're done. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Listen to me. The priest could only do so much. That priest could, hey, he could go and he could offer sacrifices for you. He could do that. Hey, it'd keep you covered for a little while, but it didn't cleanse. All he could do was do the best that he could. But even he, he had sins of his own to go and atone for. Oh, no. Jesus ever liveth, ever liveth to make intercession for us, praise God. Every second that goes by, every time the devil comes against me, every time the devil tries to bring up one of my sins and says, see there, see there, how could God forgive you? Jesus, at the right hand of the Father, says, see here, see these nail prints in my hands, see this wound in my side, see the nail prints in my feet. Father, I paid the debt. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for salvation. Listen, I know I'm talking to saved people this morning in here, most of, most of you. I don't know all of you, but I can tell you this. For the most part, I know that most of you, by your testimony, are saved. But listen, we ought to get excited over the fact that God has given us a high priest, that nothing can, nothing can dim what he has done. Nothing can change who he is. Nothing can undo what's been done for me through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Said he ever liveth, amen, to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us. Oh, he, he took on the robe of flesh. He became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Separate from sinners, yet he condescended down and became sin for us. Who needed not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once, when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the Son who is consecrated forever. Oh, according to the law, men could be made high priests, but it couldn't do a thing to change their sin nature. All it could do, all, all it could do, was show them how greater they had a need for to be cleansed. How great they needed that Passover lamb. That they needed, they needed Christ. All it could do was point to them the, the, their their debt before God. But oh, when Jesus came, oh, when Jesus 
paid the price on Calvary. When he came up out of that grave, once and for all, the final lamb that would ever have his blood shed for the sins of man. Praise God. So in Matthew twenty-two forty-one, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of the Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Well, it's simple. Christ as God was David's Lord. Christ as man was the son of David or his descendant. Again, these Jews, they knew that that 110th Psalm prophesied of Christ. They knew. So when he referred to the 110th Psalm, the light, again, the light went off. They could see it, but they didn't want it. They didn't want it. They heard the truth. They had heard him preach. They knew that he, that he told the truth. They, know that, they knew that everything that come out of his mouth was right. They couldn't deny it. They'd seen his miracles. They knew that only God could do the things that he did. And what was he telling them by quoting that? I am very God and I am very man. I am the son of the living God. Yet they refused to believe. I wonder how many people have heard the truth, have seen what God has done in the lives of other people. Oh, maybe we're not witnessing miracles take place every day, but there's no doubt you can see the transformation of someone who comes to Christ, repenting of sin, believing on him. There's a change that takes place. You're not what you used to be anymore. There's evidence that Christ works in lives. I dare say if somebody knew, knew me way back when and they saw me now, they'd say, hey, there's a difference in you. You're not the guy we used to know. I dare say some of you, they would say the same about you. When Christ comes in, there's a change. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What think you of Christ? Do you think he's worth living for? Do you think he's worth serving? Or is he just there to whatever you want? I'm going to tell you something. He's holy as who he is. He's holy. He's righteous. And I'm going to tell you, he's the prince of peace. And if you ever get your eyes fixed on him, if you ever fall in love with him, and say, I'm going to live for you because you died for me. If we ever humble ourselves and submit ourselves to him and realize that he is our high priest, he is high and holy. If we ever get our heart, mind, and soul wrapped around it, it will change us forever. 
He's offered his blood, his blood as your payment. What think you of Christ? I want to close with this thought before I, before I get up down from here. I want to just... Peter, Peter was an eyewitness to the glory of Christ. I mean, he was one of the one of the few that were there on the Mount of Transfiguration with James and John. <clears throat> he saw something that very few people saw. He saw Jesus in his glorified form. What a thrill that must have been! Matter of fact, got Peter so out of his head he was talking crazy. He was saying, "Let's just let's build three tabernacles and we can just live here." You know, he was so excited about it. But. Again, he witnessed the transfiguration. He heard the words of God. The words of God the Father. Yet he states in that book that you hold in your hand right now that even though he may have saw these things, there's a more sure word of prophecy. It's right there in your hand. Hey, you say the word is more profitable for you than experience? Oh, yeah. Hey, experience, feelings, all that. Listen, I'm going to tell you what a great, what a, what a preacher said a long, long time ago. I think it was Martin Luther. He said, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Naught else is worth believing. I'll stand upon God's unchanging word till soul and body sever. Though heaven and earth shall pass away, God's word shall stand forever. Amen. Praise God. Second Peter 1, 14 through 19. As my old preacher used to say, I'm circling the field. I got my landing gear down. Amen. He said, knowing that shortly, Peter said, knowing that shortly I must, I must put off this tabernacle. I'm going to die soon. Even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Don't ever forget them, though. I'm going to be gone, and I won't be here to remind you. Don't forget this. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. This is not some lie or tr trick that we're following. When we have made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it with our own eyes. For he, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard. He heard. He didn't say it thundered. Oh, no. He heard. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Peter heard it. He could tell you he heard it. He saw the glorified Christ. He was there. He saw, he saw Moses and Elijah. He was, he was witness to something incredible. He said, in this, in, he said, this voice came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. But he said, we, also, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. That right there, that King James Bible, amen. That's your more sure word of prophecy right there. Amen. Listen, it don't matter what anybody says. The book says that he's holy, he's righteous, he's the prince of peace, he's the savior, he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, 
He died for your sins, and he'll save you if you'll believe on him. My question to you this morning before we close the service is this. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you? You know, you can sit in the church pew and, and, and be religious and die and go to hell sitting in a church pew. You can sing them songs with all your heart still die and go to hell. Have you been washed in his blood? Is he your high priest? Has he? Does he ever live to make intercession for you? He does for me. I can attest to that. Does he do it? For you. If not, would you come this morning and get saved and get it settled for all eternity? Settle it today. Don't wait another moment. Don't waste another opportunity. We don't know how many, how many times we're going to get an opportunity. Maybe you say, I'm, well, I'm saved, preacher. I've been saved for so many years. I, I'm, but are you walking with him like you should? Are you satisfied that your walk with Jesus Christ is where it ought to be? That's the question I have for you. Are you satisfied? And if you're not, what on earth are you doing to fix it? Amen? Amen. You say, how do I fix it? You've got to come to him and humble yourself before him and admit the fact that it's not where it ought to be to begin with. Humble yourself. Submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Right now the problem is the devil's got you distracted. It's like he talked about, uh, talked about Isaac. What happened to him? Why was his idea? Because he had, he had lusted after the things of this world. When you said that, I thought in my heart, you know, the Bible says, uh, if, any man loved the, if, if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The more we start loving this world and the things that are in this world, the more the love of the Father fades from our mind. You don't lose your salvation. Listen, he gave me something I can't lose. Praise God. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not holding on to him. He's holding on to me. But the more I lust after this world and the things in this world and get caught up in this world, the less my mind is on the things of God, the less my walk prospers. The more I stumble, the more I fall, the more ashamed I get to get back up. And I say to you this morning, I don't know where you're at, I have no idea where you're at in your walk with God. But if there is any chance that it's not where it ought to be, what are you waiting for? There's altars on both sides. You can come and kneel and pray. Listen, and don't worry about what anybody thinks because I guarantee you they're just as bad as you. Amen? All of us struggle in our walk. And if we'd all be honest, revival would break out. Amen? Amen? Listen, what thank you of the Christ? You know what your answer is? You're living it. Your testimony, you're living it. It comes out in your daily walk. So I urge you, think it over. Let's stand our feet. Miss Joanne, would you come? We're going to sing a song of invitation. If the Lord speak to your heart this morning, would you come? Would you do business with God? Would you come gather around one of these altars and get on your knees and talk to him in prayer? If you need somebody to pray with you, I'll be glad to pray with you. What number is that, sister? 124. Number 124. As God, as God speaks to your heart, do business with him this morning. Let him have his way in your life.
Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Well, praise God. I'm on, Lucas is coming, and uh, I'm going to turn over the... We got a, we've got a baby dedication here at the end of service. So if you would... If y'all would be seated, and I'm going to turn the service over to Lucas and let you have it, brother. All right. I'm trying to speak up. I've got batteries for the cell mic, but it's not working right now, so uh hadn't been for a long time. Uh, but we, uh, we will have a, a baby dedication. Uh, y'all may know 